You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. That would be fantastic. Matthew 8. I'm just going to read the first four verses, but keep the Bible open because we're actually going to be looking at the whole two chapters this morning. I'm not reading them all because that would be a half an hour sermon in itself. Uh, Matthew 8, 1 to 4. Jesus has just come down from the mountain. If you know, if you've been around this church, we've actually been going through the Gospel of Matthew in amongst different things. And uh, we probably started November last year. Uh, When I came on board about a year and a half ago, I really wanted to take us through a Gospel. And so that's what we've been travelling along. And Neil finished us off a couple of weeks ago in, um, on, as Jesus finished up the longest recorded sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount. And he finished off with this challenge about the wide gate and the thin, oh, the thin road, the thin, short, windy road, sorry, and the large, wide road and where we were heading. And um, fantastic challenge. Jesus finishes with that and then he heads down the mountain and starts to do some stuff. And that's what we're going to look at. Let me read Matthew 8, 1 to 4. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Jesus heads down the mountain and he begins to do some stuff, begins to start doing some different things, interacting with people after this sermon on the mount. Now, as I said, we're going to be looking at Matthew 8 to 10. So keep your Bibles open. If you're in a small group, a Bible study, individually, please read through these two chapters this week. Um, I'm not going to be able to read them all today, but please read through Matthew 8 to 10. I'm going to be pulling stories from these two chapters. Because sometimes we can take a, um, an individual verse and expand on that. Sometimes it's healthy to look at a whole heap of stories. Because the original Bible wasn't written with headings or numbers or verses. The original Bible was uh, made that it could be read in little bits, but it could also be read as longer stories. And so the writer was deliberate, or Matthew in this case, about putting stories next to each other. So when we take a step back and look at two chapters, we get to see some patterns, some themes, some things that Jesus could be doing that we sometimes don't get out of just expanding on a couple of lines. That's what we want to do this morning. But first, I want to tell two stories. I have asthma. Some of you, I've inherit, my kids have inherited. My father has given it to me. It's a gift. It's why I sound like, well, I've been told I sound like I've been a lifelong smoker. Um, of this breathy voice, but it's not. It's just asthma. It's not, it's not that. Um, and um, I was, my mum took me, when I was about six, we went around to one of her friend's houses. Um, she didn't really know this lady, but she was really connecting with her. And there's a bunch of um, ladies there and they're having morning tea together. And one of them heard me coughing. I was having sort of an asthma attack. And um, they quickly grabbed me. Um, didn't really talk to my mum. Quickly grabbed me, grabbed my mum and said, we're going to pray for healing of his asthma. And they got around and they were louder than I was normal. That's okay. 
um, and they just kept saying, we pray, we pray, we pray, and they kept um, praying for my asthma to go. And then they asked me, that's about five minutes, that, is the asthma gone? I said, no. Um, they're disappointed. So they took it up a notch, um, sort of shaked me a bit and louder. Well, get this asthma out of your boy. And they prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and then they said, has your asthma gone? I said, yes. Hadn't gone. I just was scared. Um, I didn't know what to say. I thought I was letting them down. And I remember leaving that going, what did I do wrong? Did I not have enough faith? Did I not want my asthma gone enough? Did my mum not want my asthma gone enough? Uh, Left me with actually just kind of being dishonest for the sake of what this group wanted of me. Second story. Got a friend. I've got a couple of friends that are tradies. One of them's working on site. And um, he notices one of the other builders or one of the other trades on site um, is using extra profanity even more than on a job site. And uh, he notices this guy seems like he's in pain. And so over lunch, Smoko, they sit around and he says, I notice, mate, your leg is giving you trouble. And he says, yeah, there's some muscle inflammation in my, in my foot. And it's just really hard to walk on it all day. So he's cool. And my mate told me that he felt like he should pray for him. He didn't. <laughs> he let the day go by. And the next day, the same thing happened. And he said, have you seen a doctor about it? And he said, I've seen some doctor. It's just really inflamed. I've on some medication. My wife is into some new age stuff. We've done some crystal stuff with it. He said, admittedly, that helped a tiny bit, but nowhere near. And this, my mate said, I thought, I should, I should pray for this guy. Um, but again, it's a trade. It's scary. It's scary. Two guys over Smoko with their eskies going, can I pray for you? Um, end of the project. Well, drawing near to the end of the project, I think it was a two-week on site. And he finally says, can I, can, I, can I pray for you, mate? The guy goes, of course. Puts his hand on the foot and leaves it at that. Next day, guy comes in and it's been healed. It's gone. No inflammation. It's been healed. He goes, it's funny, I tried this, I tried these crystals, I tried this Reiki, I think it is. I tried all this and you prayed and it was healed. And so two different stories, two different stories that one I was there and one I'm very close to the guy that healed it and he was even surprised with himself. He doesn't walk around and do a lot of that. What's the difference I don't know, I don't know if we, sometimes you feel like you can't ask this. What did my mate do something, say something better than the ladies praying from asthma? Did he have more faith? What is the difference? Who, who's ever asked that question? Um, you can be honest, who's ever asked that question and wondered? Um, so I think this, these two chapters give us some insight into this. Uh, I'm not going to solve that <laughs> issue in one sermon, but I think these two chapters give us some insight. So let me tell you about what happens over the next two chapters, just briefly. Uh, and you'll hear, you've heard some of these stories if you've been around church long enough, but Jesus touches the leper and he's healed. We heard from that this morning. Uh, then he meets a centurion, and, and he's, which is a Gentile, which is obvi- uh, not a Jew, and he says, Jesus, my servant is sick paralyzed. Jesus heals him at a distance, says go and he'll be healed. Peter's mother-in-law has a fever, his mate, and he heals her. Then he casts demons out, 
with just one word. Then he casts demons out into pigs and has a conversation with the demons. Then there's a paralytic and he tells him to pick up his bed and go home. Then a woman touches his garment and she's healed. Then the ruler's daughter comes and she's raised from the dead. Two blind men, their eyes are touched and they open their eyes and can see. A mute man with a demon possession is heard and his sins are forgiven as well as being able to speak. And so you can probably guess, who wants to guess what we might be talking about this morning? You can call it out, it's okay. Miracles, miracles, healings and faith. From, yeah, looking at Matthew 8 to 10. Anyone, and I know I just read through them quickly, but anyone want to give me a guess at some themes that come out? What is a common theme when you hear those stories or you think back to those stories? Or even if you've got the word open as you're looking through those stories, is there a common theme that runs through these healings? Forgiveness? No asthma, there's no asthma in it. Yeah, yeah, no one has asthma back then. I'm putting you on the spot, I realise that. <coughs> so forgiveness, end of themselves, their desperate faith, faith will actually, yeah, that's a good, really good one. <laughs> besides that, besides a couple there which we're going to speak about, there's actually not a lot. There's actually not a lot of common things Jesus does in amongst these two chapters of healings. And this is the first of three points I just want to take out of this passage this morning. That there's not really a pattern to these healings and miracles. We'll get to those things discussed, but there's no real pattern. And so if my slides were working this morning, it would say, number one point, no formula. There's no formula here. There's no F equals MA healing. And sometimes we fall into the trap of believing there's a formula. It would be frustrating for the disciples. One minute you're spitting in, uh, spitting in mud and rubbing it on a blind man's eyes. The next minute you're trying to heal at a distance. The next minute you're healing from demons with one word. And then the next minute you're having conversations with demons. It'd be very confusing. Sometimes you have people that tell you you're not praying right. Or that you're not saying the right words. That's why the miracles aren't working. It's just not true. It's just there's no formula to this. Two chapters of healings and Jesus deliberately doesn't do the same thing twice. It's important because Jesus is God. He's not a riddle. There is no formula. There's no magic potion or spell book when it comes to this. Jesus dealt differently with each of these stories with each person. Each person's experience of God can be different. When people come in contact with God, the interaction, each one of these stories is different and therefore is treated differently. Because Jesus is about growth and transformation, each interaction comes with a challenge towards growth of that person. I reckon, I'm going to speak for me if that's okay, but hopefully it relates to you. That's really hard for humans in general because we love instructions. We love rules and control. We can't help ourselves. We love to feel that we're in control, that we can kind of 
manage God or manage our life. You just have to look at the millions of commercial selling insurance <laughs> that it like gives us some control of what's going to happen. Insurance is good, but it doesn't stop the stuff happening. Look at how many ads or techniques are after anti-aging. Yet we're all still aging. <laughs> it's not working. We don't actually get to control it, no matter how expensive the cream is. Even in the Christian world, as soon as it hit 400 AD, as soon as church went from small homes, Holy Spirit, to empire, which was a good thing, also brought with it, God could be used as a way of control, a way of tribalism, a way of saying, this is us and this isn't you. Even books like the Bible Code or numerology, you read these, you see these different books come out and they're like trying to tell you there's secrets to unlock in the Bible rather than just reading the Bible. It's like a form of control. Even churches, we confuse our own personal preference or what we want as a way that say that this is the only way it works. Even preachers and scripture take out a context and we try to use it as a way of control. Anyone else relate to that? Tell me that's not just me that we love to control. I know it's a small room, but give me some sort of noise. Yeah, Ray, Ray, raise his hand. Sorry, sorry to ping you out, Ray. <laughs> it's good. Ray's with me. Everyone else, come on, catch up. <laughs> so Jesus is deliberate here. This is not an accident the way Jesus does this. It's not an accident the way Matthew puts all these stories together. Deliberately doesn't do the same thing twice deliberately there is no formula in fact there's two things there's multiple things but there's two main things i want to speak about that i see in common one jesus every one of these healings does have jesus doing the healing or later on it's in his authority so jesus is important when it comes to healing and miracles number two i'm going to get you to guess and it may be one of the many answers i got before let me read some of the scriptures and see if you can guess the other theme that comes out. In 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to, uh, um, heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. In 26, he replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the men, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Take heart, daughter, he said, your faith has healed you. And the, women, um, the woman ha was healed at that moment. According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Faith. faith. Very good. We didn't get it before. You, I don't know if you cheated. But number two, if I had slides up today, if you're taking notes, number two point, faith. Faith is very, very common in these stories. But because we like control... Sometimes we use this word and we don't know what it actually means. What does it actually mean to go up to someone and say, just have faith? Seriously, what does it actually, just like, you don't give them any, well, just have faith. Oh, okay. I'll have some of that. What does faith actually mean? And more importantly, how does Jesus use this word in these chapters? Because again, Humans love to control. If we keep it a bit mysterious, we get to control it. 
we get to say what faith means. But here's how Jesus used it. Here's what faith is not. It's not a formula. It's not wishful thinking. It's not a frenzy necessarily. And it's not trying to convince God he needs to give you what you want. That's actually paganism or the law of attraction, not what the Bible teaches. The faith is a little misplaced if that's where you find yourself. Not as a judgment, but just need to align ourselves a little bit more with what faith is. Rather, faith in these two chapters is a posture towards God and in God. Not in the actual miracle, not in the event or the particular thing that's going on. It's actually a posture towards God and faith in God. Faith is actually nothing to do with control. It has more to do with surrender. Let me explain through the very words of the very first miracle. The leper says this. He knelt before him. This is important. The first thing he does is kneels. Whether he knows he's the Messiah, he's got a fair point that this guy is important. Lord, King, this guy's important. So he kneels before him out of desperation and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The leper did not say, (laughs) I now say, Jesus, you will take my leprosy away. He doesn't say, I now quote Matthew 8. And the many miracles you will now do in Matthew 8. And when you healed the leper, you need to heal me. He doesn't demand anything of him. He acknowledges him as Lord. He knows he can do it. No question about it. But he says, if you are willing. There's a big, big difference in that posture towards sometimes what we can fall into the trap of. You see, so often we fall into the trap of forgetting that when it comes to kingdom breakthrough, and this is what Jesus is doing as he comes down the mountain, he's showing what the kingdom of God looks like. He's showing that it looks like restoration, forgiveness of sin, healing. So often we can forget, I do this all the time, that the kingdom of God is not pulling a place or a lifestyle from heaven. A kingdom is ruled by a king. The kingdom only works if we declare the king king. Therefore, it's his kingdom. That's all we need for a kingdom to have the king in the right place. That is the posture right through these healings. The centurion acknowledges Jesus' authority even as a soldier. The paralyzed man's sins are forgiven. And then when the Pharisees kind of critique, Jesus says, well, then watch this. And he shows them he has authority both over sin and paralyzation. The lady desperate, knowing who Jesus is, is so desperate in knowing that he is Lord, she touches him, knowing that he is so important that he can heal her, even if she just touches a bit of his garment. It's the blind men chase Jesus, knowing that he can heal. They chase him, it says, through the crowds and are calling out because they know who he is. Story after story, people saying, I am in this circumstance. I know you're able to do far more than I can imagine. Do with it what you will. It's a posture. It's a surrendering. Of, it's a heartfelt cry for the, from the broken to Jesus and saying, whatever you want to do with this, do it. Your will. It's the third line in the Lord's Prayer. Third or fourth line. 
Our Father art in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's faith. God, I know you can do it, but I submit to your will, whatever that may be. This is super important to understand because it's super important because it's how we interact with those outside the church as well, how we work these miracles, how, how we go about praying for healing. Because the reality is, sometimes God says no. Or more importantly, I think a lot of the time he says not yet. Or not in the way you think. Or sometimes he's allowed to say no. Aria, my eldest, loves ice cream. Do I want to give her ice cream all the time? Yes, you should see the look on her face when she gets ice cream. I would love to see that look on her face. I get to be the favourite when I give her ice cream, so it's good for me, it's good for her. Can I give her ice cream? Most days we can afford to give her ice cream if we wanted to. We could find some ice cream for her. Will I give her ice cream at 7pm at night before bed? No. (laughs) Even if she has a tantrum and she cries heaps. Even if she says, you're lying, you promised. I'm still not going to give her ice cream, a four-year-old, 7 p.m. before I need her to settle down. Do I know what's best for her? Hopefully. Is it easier if she understands, even though she's upset, that I know what's best for her? Yes. She knows deep down that dad knows if he's saying no to ice cream, it's probably, there's probably a reason, even though she can't understand why on earth we can't live off ice cream. You see, Paul had a thorn in his flesh that he prayed about and God didn't take it away. Peter, in like more uh, side historical documents, shows that he got probably hung upside down on the cross because he didn't want to do it the right way because he said, I'm not worthy to be dying the same way as the Messiah, Jesus. Um, Probably prayed though, pre-walking out to the cross, hey, if there's another way, God... I would probably not like to be crucified. But he still was crucified, right? It still happens. Christians overseas still get killed sometimes. And Christians still, today, die of disease sometimes. It's hard to deal with. It's a hard truth. Does that mean God doesn't care? Of course he cares. Does it make sense? Not always. But we are not God and faith is saying, God, your will be done. I'm going to skip through a couple of things for time today. Um, but there's this awesome story I'll just touch on. In amongst these healings, there's this really random story. And if you just read the story, it doesn't make sense. But if you read all the healings, it makes sense. And I'll give you the quick summary of it. In amongst these healings, this guy comes up and says his ruler's super excited and he sees the healings, right? He sees gold coins coming out of fish's mouths. He sees loaves getting broken. He sees crowds. Everyone's getting fixed. And he says, I'll follow you. Jesus essentially says, I'm homeless. And you probably don't have time to bury your father. You probably just have to follow me now and tells him the cost of being a disciple. Jesus gives him the reality and says, it's not all about this. It's actually deeper than that. And the guy walks off. He's so excited. He sees all the cool stuff. He goes, I'll follow you. Jesus says, well, this is what it'll cost you. And imagine him just going, oh, okay. 
I was expecting just healings all the time and fish throwing out money out of their mouth and bread being broken and getting fed. But there's actually a little bit more to following Jesus. It's about submission. Go have a look. That's um, Matthew 8, 18 to 22 this week. This random story where Jesus says, hey, these miracles are good, fantastic. They're proof of who I am. But in the end of the day, you still need to submit to my authority. So kind of my last point today. You might be, Steve, that could be encouraging or a little bit scary. Should I still pray? Should I still ask God to heal? Should I still seek miracles? Should I still come to God with my needs? Absolutely you should. Absolutely you should. The key lies in moving from a place where we're trying to control God or get God to do our thing to... And imagine this up here, if I got the slides to work. (laughs) Point three, seeking God, God's will and God's heart. That's the key here. Seeking God's will and his heart is the key here. Let me explain. Once we understand his heart and his will, this changes everything. Have you ever met someone that looks like all their prayers are answered? Not in a worldly way, but they seem to just step out in faith. And God is already there. Often. Well, I think of George Mueller. I don't know if you know the story. George Mueller had this orphanage. And he knew God wanted him to have the orphanage. And he'd sit at the table of the orphanage with no food. They had no food sometimes. And he'd sit the kids up and they would say thanks for the food God was going to provide. And then a milk truck would break down at the front and they'd bring in milk. Have you met, I've met people like that. There's just, it's like they know where God's heading. Because they do. They are seeking God's will. They know where he's going to be. They know where he is. And they can have faith, not in that they're going to get milk, but in God and where he's moving. We see it all the time. The kids are learning about Noah. He knew it was going to flood. He knew where God was going. So he could have faith to build an ark because he knew God's will. In fact, try praying something that you know is in God's will. Let me give you a a tester, if if you will. Pray this week for someone to come across your path that you can share God with or that you can disciple. Almost always, God answers that. Sometimes we just don't want, we're too busy. We're like, oh, I don't know if I really want to get in that conversation this week. Pray that. And I find it to be one of the strongest prayers ever because chances are you'll find someone. I actually got in my notes Nancy, who I'll speak to in the second service. She's a testimony to this. She prays each week to pray for people. And they keep coming. They keep meeting her. She keeps meeting them. Because she knows God's will is to tell people about Jesus. That's an easy one. (laughs) Sometimes we have no idea what God's will is, though. Sometimes it's a mystery, right? but we can still have faith. And this is why faith in his will and in his heart, who he is. Aria, not getting ice cream, hopefully can have a little bit of faith as she grows up that I still care for her and there might be a reason. Because the deeper message of this chapter says God is for us. God loves us. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. He is the best expression in human form 
of who God is. In these two chapters, we don't just see him heal people. We see him challenge social norms. We, we see him challenge corruption and power. He keeps lifting people up, restoring them, forgiving them, giving people dignity and respect. These healings meant more than they could heal. It meant they were no longer outcasts. It meant they were people in that society. He continually lifted people up, set the captives free. More than their ailments, but from social and cultural and sin and the oppression they lived with, and he set them free. That is God's heart. That's how we know he's a good, good father. He is a good God. This is why we can have faith, not in a formula, not an event or control, but in Jesus. In Jesus, who he is, what he has done, and what he is doing. If you want to know what he's doing this morning, just think of the two girls we had up the front here in this small community. That's what he's doing. What he's done, well, we know that because we remember that on the cross, he gave everything for us. And even in these two chapters, time and time again, Jesus is about setting us free. That's who we have faith in. That's when we get to see miracles. That's when we get to see healings, when we step out and have faith in who God is. Last story, and it's already 9.30, so we're not going to have an end song. Sorry, guys, but Smell's giving me a look of like, I'll smile, but I'm disappointed. There's one last story in there where Jesus calms the storm. What happens is they send the boat out and he falls asleep and the disciples enter a storm. First to note, God's okay or God allows us to go through storms in our life. Spiritual storms and real storms, he lets us go through storms in our life. Sometimes it feels like he's asleep. Sometimes we wonder where his will is. Sometimes we go, I wonder if he fell asleep on this one because I'm really stuck in this storm. But he stands up. And he has power over that even. God's in the storms. God's in control. God's in the situation you find yourself in now if it's hard at the moment. He might not take it away. He may. He has the power to. And it's his will be done. Church, I think this is a key for this community. Not to rely on a formula or our own wisdom, or our own pride. But what will make this community super powerful is if we're on our knees at every step, saying, God, your will be done. That's when we'll see people restored. That's when we'll see miracles. And that's when we'll see the kingdom come. Let me pray. We are not going to finish with a song. Sorry, guys. You're welcome to sing out there. <laughs> Let me pray.